welcome to another episode of Talking Devs, where we chat about the new show on Hulu's FX, FX on Hulu, whatever the streaming uh, name is. But we're talking about the show Devs. Um, and my name is Scott, and I'm here with my co-host, Jimmy. How you doing, Jimmy? Doing well. How's everything going over in uh, San Francisco? It's good. Yeah. So, I mean, funny enough, I literally live uh, four blocks away from where Lily's uh, apartment is. Uh, actually, quick aside, one thing I noticed was that the view from the apartment in the, the scene with her dad, where they're playing Go, which we'll get into later, actually is pretty much the same view in terms of the uh, palm trees from, uh, that are at Dolores Park where her current apartment is in the show uh, is. So I didn't know if there was a something there where she's in the same apartment where she was in those scenes with her dad. Uh, yeah, I assume maybe they just uh, refilmed another scene in a, another area of that apartment yeah, they're using. Exactly. I don't know if it's like it was a, they were supposed to be in the same location or not, uh, or it's just they had that, that location and that's where they were filming from. But kind of interesting note to note. But uh, yeah, I'm in San Francisco near where the uh, near where the action goes down in the show, which is kind of funny. Maybe maybe our podcast finale, I'll film live on location from outside her apartment. Get a get another interview with uh, with Pete, uh, your favorite part of, of the last episode, I know. But um, um, yeah, well, we had no Pete this episode, right? I know, so. kind of kind of bummed. Uh, I feel like he's he has to come back, right? I mean, I thought there was more to his story than yeah. just him being a homeless guy so i would i'm banking on some big yeah. reveal but i feel like every week i'm like oh there's gonna be a giant reveal and no the story's been uh, been progressing pretty um i mean it hasn't been trying to pull anything over the viewer's eyes i would say so yeah no definitely and like you know i think yeah. we'll we'll dive into the plot um and just generally wanted to thank folks for for tuning in we uh, I think as of now, have hundreds of listeners, which is kind of cool for uh, for just kicking off a podcast. This is our first time uh, doing TV chat, so it's a lot of fun that folks are tuning in. You know, I'd say, yeah, we have hundreds of listeners now. I'd say, you know, in our one universe, in the multiverse, I don't know, or, or maybe our listeners are in the hundreds of billions, maybe, if uh, if you had to look at every multiverse uh given the the everett interpretation i don't know what, what would you put our over under at well, james yeah what would you put the over under on our cumulative multiverse number of listeners i'm gonna say 643 billion would be my my take there i don't know what, <laughs> okay. what do you think but. you think you think katie is watching us right now in our little uh computer algorithm and well it depends it depends which katie right is it the katie who stormed out of the classroom and uh started crying or is it the Katie who got, uh, you know, confronted by Forrest? I think we'll, yeah. we'll have to dive into that scene, but, um, well, let's get into it. Let's dive in. Yeah. I think, you know, last, last episode where we tried to cover four episodes in one, we couldn't really dive into the plot super in depth, but I think this episode we'll kind of walk through and, uh, you know, just all of the kind of interesting, uh, topics will kind of come up, but the episode kicks off with, uh, Lily in the, in the hospital, uh, with <laughs> flowers, uh, kindly delivered from Kenton, uh, uh, ominous uh, flowers there, given that, you know, I did a little research on this, those flowers, the ones that were uh, kind of focused in on in the key areas where there was, those were Dahlia flowers, uh, not lilies, which you might expect, but, you know, one of the apparently interpretations of those flowers is a lot of times the meaning behind them is kind of a warning of ominous things to come, which, uh, it, given that they're from Kenton, seems to be pretty appropriate. But um, you know, it was, you know, apparently Lily's still in the mental hospital after being committed. Um, and then we get some interesting flashbacks uh, where you know, diving into the multiverse was zooming in on Lily's apartment. You see a lot of different kind of variations of Lily and Sergey leading their lives. You know, sometimes they're over on the couch. You know, this is all in the same room at the same time. Other times they're at the you know kitchen table eating, uh, and then you probably saw this, but there was one with Jamie kind of sitting in the corner of the sofa. I'd, I'd be curious to hear your interpretation of that scene because I had my own and it changed after I did a little more research. But, well, I I do want to back up real quick yeah. before we start discussing this episode as a whole, and it's the question of whether this whole episode is viewed through mm. the lens of Katie 
or not because yeah. um, yeah. obviously we have all these scene transitions where it's it looks like yeah, she's watching point. it on her scene so I think before we start to discuss whether something happened or not or if it's in another universe we need to kind of figure out if what the show is telling us is that this is all through the lens of Katie um, or not that's a great point I think I mean given how many times they show her kind of in that uh, observational state where she's kind of looking into the system. Uh, I'd have to say almost everything is pretty much her watching it, right? Like uh, definitely all the scenes with Lily and her past. And then even it seems some of the future ones we'll get into, but w what do you think? Um, yeah, I agree with you, but I, then it brings in the question like, is this like just the unreliable narrator or are we just to assume everything that we're shown is at face value? It's a good question. I mean, obviously we'll get into kind of the multiverse theorem and like who knows which which timeline they're on. Like I, just for my own sanity's sake, I'm going to kind of assume all of this stuff has happened or will happen in this universe other than kind of the specific scenes we'll talk about where you literally see several different kind of uh, timelines or multiverses. But uh, I think, yeah, I'm just going to assume that kind of everything is that we see in a singular instance did actually happen or will happen. Okay. Fair enough. That's a, no, it's a really good point though. Cause yeah, the, a lot of the episode is framed around Katie, you know, kind of this, they zoom in on her face and uh, her voyeuristic state of kind of peeking into the past or the future, um, which I think is, is, is important, right? Yeah. Uh, we'll get into the, some of the, the scenes with Katie and Forrest later, uh, but that's a really good point. Um, but all right, back to your question. What were you asking about Jamie? Yeah, so the scene where it's probably not even that important, but basically where Lily and Sergey are having their multiple kind of timelines in her apartment. And then there you also see Jamie in the corner. I don't know if you saw that. It was kind of hard to see his face. It was shaded a little bit, but I think it was clear yeah. to be him. Like, how did you take that? In the corner when we're in their living room or in yeah, the bedroom? Yeah, exactly. Yep, in the, in the living room. Nothing really stood out to me about whatever particular Jamie you're talking well, about. Yeah, sorry. So I guess what I would what I would question is they show a bunch of uh, Lily and Sergey kind of living their life in the apartment and there's one with Jamie. Do you see that as this is one kind of less likely timeline where Lily and Jamie are together or is Jamie kind of, you know, again, voyeuristically kind of looking in on that lifestyle that of uh, Lily and Sergey living together given what we see later of him doing the whole Facebook stalking thing. Yeah, no, I, I, I think definitely the show is trying to indicate to us that in at least, I don't know, let's just say 5% yeah. of the yeah. timelines, Jamie stays with the Lily a little bit longer. Kind of like how later on we see that there is one scenario in which Amaya's car or the car that's driving Amaya yeah. doesn't crash and yeah. arrives at their house safely. So I think that's just the show telling us, yeah. There's there are some multiverses where yeah. Jamie and Lily are together. Yeah, yeah. I'll be, I'll be, we'll, we'll talk more about their relationship and her getting together with Sergey uh, in a bit. But um, yeah, I think that's a good. That's what I read it as too. Um, well, so yeah, we see a little bit of. But regardless, yeah, it. yeah, it appears that even when Jamie stays together with Lily, he's still just a damn puppy dog yeah. in that relationship. True, right? Like all the kind of Lily and Sergey, they're a little more interactive and yeah. this one, he's just kind of, yeah, sitting in the corner. He's uh, just like sticking around. Exactly. And speaking of a puppy dog, the next scene is Kenton has Jamie in a bathtub, uh, which is where we left the episode four off of. Um, and Kenton has him trapped in the bathtub uh, does a lot of kind of uh, grilling of him, talked about how he used to work in the CIA in Hong Kong and does this whole Tiananmen Square uh, speech talking about how he was the tank uh, in this case uh, and, you know, stopping the cascading possibilities of, of Jamie, you know, potentially reaching out and trying to help Lily. Uh, obviously, the, the quote, as they called him, the cascading possibilities, a pretty big nod to all the different multiverses that we'll get into discussion wise later. Um, and, you know, Kenton called Jamie a puppy dog in the bathtub. And then to really show that he means business snaps Jamie's finger. Um, but uh, you have, you have anything on that scene that you found? I'm just wondering why he didn't just straight up kill him. I mean, 
he's already shown he's okay with eliminating yeah. others that may get in the way of whatever's happening at a mile as, yeah. as evidenced by him killing the Russian spy um, and Sergey. So I really don't see any reason for him to let Jamie live in this incident, in this particular incident. That seems fair. I I'm with you, especially in, I think we'll get in this conversation later, but the one that the kind of very frank conversation that he has with Forrest and Katie um, yeah. later on is interesting. But yeah, I mean, it seems like, you know, if you're going to, uh, trying to eliminate a lot of the suspicion. But I, I guess then it's like, you know, if Sergey dies, Jamie dies, and Lily maybe dies, like that's kind of a, that's a big body count and you might actually have some explaining to do at that point, right? So maybe I can see where he saw Jamie as being such a puppy dog that he could kind of control him. Yeah. Uh, but it's totally a fair point. Probably maybe a safer move to, to just kill him. But um, Yeah, why didn't Kenton just give Jamie... Uh, a vase of dahlias as well. I mean, <laughs> might've done the trick. Might've <laughs> yeah. heard him enough. Uh, but yeah, that was, it was a good scene. You just get, you know, Kenton already, you know, you see him as a creepy guy. Um, and, uh, but interesting scene with Jamie, you kind of see him at his lowest. And as we see later, he starts to get a little more confidence and maybe, maybe he'll be the hero of the show. We'll find out. Yeah. But, and poor Jamie, he just last episode cleaned his place to, Oh, that's right. Know. Now there's yeah. blood on the toilet. And, <laughs> Uh, everything's knocked awry. So, uh, well, we'll see. I think, I think he's got a good shot with Lily. We'll, we'll, we'll discuss later. Um, All right. so then we go forward or backward, if you will, uh, to Lily and her dad in that apartment, uh, playing a game of go. Um, and I thought it was a pretty interesting scene where, you know, she clearly makes a good move on her dad and he's proud of her and talks about how, uh, she's three steps ahead and, he kind of grills her about that or digs into that with her. And it turns out she wasn't necessarily thinking three steps ahead. She just made that move because it quote felt strong. So I think a little bit more around kind of uh, her intuition potentially, rather than thinking logically through three steps ahead. I thought that was, that was an interesting yeah. uh, discussion there. I mean, I thought her saying that it felt strong was just the show taking a vote towards determinism like mm, interesting this is already going to happen i already know my move like this is what feels like i need to do okay no interesting i can see that um quick like over on here yeah let's hear it well like i don't it. know if this is, i don't know if this is accurate or not but what would you say is the total number of potential board positions in a game of go uh, 10 to the what power 10 to the what power? Yeah. Give me uh, a number. I'm going to say 10. Actually, I'll give you a number and you tell me if it's over or under. Oh, okay. All right. Let's go with that. 10 to the 150th power. What? Jesus. So that's, isn't a Google 10 to the 100th power? Is that right? Yeah. And I don't, okay. I forget what that's called. What's that? A, oh, that's a Google? Yeah. The thing I just okay. said. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. So, uh, so this is. Uh, many more Googles than a Google. Uh, I'm going to say, I'm just going to go over because it'd be kind of lame if we're under. Uh, yeah, according to Wikipedia, there's 10 <laughs> to the 172th wow. second Seven board. Okay. Yeah. Wow. 10 to the 172 board positions That's in a game of Go. So. Yeah. And it makes sense that they did Go because, uh, you know, I don't know what it was, a couple years ago, there was DeepMind had their, their Alpha Go system Mm -hmm. That Go was always the game that, all right, you had, uh, you know, Kasparov get beaten by computers in chess, but Go, there were just so many combinations that, uh, you know, a computer would never be able to beat a human, uh, and it uh, beat a Go player in the world. I I'm sure some of you saw that news a few years ago. So definitely makes sense. Obviously, kind of in the multiverse, like so many different possibilities, uh, you know, frame to have them playing go. So I thought, it, I thought it was a cool scene. Uh, I guess here's my question. Yeah. So her, so Lily's saying she thinks three steps ahead. Is that, yeah. is that, I don't know. I'm not very familiar with go. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Like I would have said that like <laughs> she needs to be thinking 10 steps yeah. ahead, right? Like no, three bad. steps ahead does not seem to be very good strategy. No, I was actually, I was like, waiting for her dad to like unleash a tirade about how she was only thinking three steps ahead and she needs to be thinking like eight steps ahead. But 
Uh, I guess three is good. I don't know. I, I don't play a lot of Go, but it seems like yeah. maybe with that many different combinations, you can't think that far ahead. Uh, yeah. Who knows? Um, but yeah, I thought that was kind of a cool scene. Um, and then the next one, uh, like honestly, I think I feel like the show struggles a lot with dialogue on a personal level. I think, I don't know. Um, but it's basically the scene where Lily is at Amaya in the office and is, I don't know if she's like just broken up with with Jamie or it happened the night before or something, but she's clearly kind of reeling from the breakup. And then Sergey kind of sitting next to her at the office and they start chatting a little bit about the breakup and kind of awkward discussion of online dating. And like, honestly, I cannot get on board with the Sergey Lily uh, romance connection, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, I bought the awkwardness, the awkwardness of this scene more than I bought the scene of them later in bed where he yep. tells oh, her that God. he loves her. Cause that, that was, was very, um, I don't know. It did not feel natural yeah. to me. Yeah. Uh, that was awful. I, I don't know. Like if they're, if you know, they're just not really good at, uh, if he's not good, Alec is not good at doing this stuff, but, um, mm. was it? It's Alec. What's the name again? I always forget. Uh, Alex Garland. Alex Garland. Uh, yeah. I, I think maybe he's just not great with, the kind of interpersonal uh, conversational elements, but I've not been impressed with almost any of those. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I think probably one of the key scenes of the episode is uh, at a, a lecture in college where Katie's sitting in the front row uh, and Forrest is near the back with another, I think, professor. Uh, I don't, why, why don't you walk through the scene? Uh, it's a, it's an important one. So. Um, yeah, Forrest and a lady who, I don't know, maybe is someone at Amaya or his wife. I don't know. I, I assume it's someone at Amaya, but they are in a class um, where a professor is explaining what I believe is called the dual slit experiment. Um, and she's explaining it to, you know, a classroom that it contains Katie, who I think Forrest and this lady are observing. And basically what the instructor is trying to explain is there's a slit with two, or sorry, there's a, I don't know, a wall by any name with two slits and you shoot a quantum particle through it. And what you notice is that the photon, a single photon will pass through both slits, which doesn't make sense, right? Yep. It indicates that the single photon is interacting with itself somehow. Um, but yeah, so it's passing through both slits. But what happens is if you add some sort of, I think they call it a detector, suddenly the photon now only passes through one slit. Um, and so she explains there are two interpretations here. There's either the, and you may have to correct me on this, the von Neumann Wigner yeah. interpretation? Yeah, yeah I think that's okay. pretty small. I mean, I've had to be exactly how you pronounce it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But basically that interpretation says that adding human consciousness uh, basically modifies the behavior of the photon. So the moment you add some sort of observation, the photon changes its behavior. Yep. She yeah, says the, that Katie does not seem too impressed with that interpretation. <laughs> um, instead, she offers up the second interpretation. It's called the Everett interpretation, um, which basically says nothing changes about the photon, but what is changing is that the fact the universe itself is constantly splitting into many different branches. So multiple events are happening at one time. And so in one event, the photon is going through both slits. Did I get that correct? I think that's pretty on par with what I saw. I, I mean, I, I, I gave you the hard section. I'm just talking yeah, about it. You just handed it off to me and I was not prepared to talk about it. I'll talk about, you know, the, uh, the dumb romantic comedy aspects of the episode. No, uh, I think you nailed that. I think you nailed that, uh, spot on. Yeah. So like basically Katie gets really upset cause she believes in this Everett, uh, interpretation where there's infinite worlds, infinite branches, like, you know, in the, the current world you're in, you're on that branch, but there are several, you know, however many infinite multiverses branching off, uh, at every, at every point. Um, and one thing that that seemed pretty clear was that Forrest uh, seemed to like he basically wanted the this interaction to happen, 
Um, and the other aspect is that he wanted, he was kind of the observer, right? Or the, I forget what term you used, but, um, detector, detector. Yep. So he was, and there's another interpretation that the, the teacher offered up, offered up, which is the Copenhagen one, which is, you know, essentially the act of measuring affects the system. So observing it, uh, which kind of forest was almost the, the observational element, the detector. Yeah sitting in the background watching this whole thing unfold. Uh, and then you see, you know, Katie blow up the teacher and then storm out. And then probably, you know, one of the cooler scenes so far of the show is you see maybe 10, 12 different multiverses of her, you know, there's the main one uh, of yeah. her kind of walking forward. And then you see her like, you know, 10 or 12 copies of her, one of her crying, dropping her bag. And then you see forest in that one, the universe we are in, uh, or at least that we're seeing he follows out, uh, follows her out, and starts talking to her. Um, so I thought that, and was I believe, cool. and I yep. believe there's one version where she trips and falls on her. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty good one. <laughs> and I assume in that universe, Forrest is about to come out, and then he just turns around and goes back. He's like, "Nah, she's he's like, oh, never mind. She can't be. She can't lead my uh, my devs team." Yeah. Um, um. So going back then to what you just said, so. You, are you saying if Forrest wasn't in that classroom and he wasn't the detector observing Katie, some other outcome would have occurred? I think 100%. Yeah. Okay. I think a lot of, yeah, at least my take was like, well, I don't know. I don't know. This stuff is so complicated. But him being the, the observer there narrowed it down from the, the infinite multiverses to the one you know, thing that he observed. So we see that that one timeline playing out. But again, I I don't know. There's people who are way smarter than me who are gonna yeah. gonna pick us apart. But um, yeah. On I mean, a less complicated like, yeah. On a less complicated note, is the lady that was with him is she important at all? Is there I a, think so, a reason she was there? I don't know. Uh, that's a great point because I don't see any clear reason why she was there. But yeah, uh, that was interesting. Oh, you know what? Who that was? Now I, I have my theory. Remember Forrest? So this is the other kind of key element of the scene when Forrest sees her. Hey, I think you're great. I'll pay your college. You know, you're running out of money. Can't afford yeah. it. Work in my company. My guess is the, the lady who he's with uh, was the professor who he said when he talked to Katie, thought she was great. That's my theory. Got it. Okay. But I don't know for sure. That'd yeah. just be my take. Um, yeah. Also, originally I had this as a nitpick, which I've now backtracked on. But Ooh. when she was like, Who are you? I was like, Shouldn't she know the head of this, uh, presumably like Google like company in the Silicon Valley? Like, you know, For- Forrest is heading up this <laughs> multi billion dollar tech company and she doesn't know who he is. Like, I thought initially that was like kind of a weird thing for her to not yeah. know who Forrest was. But as, as I think about it, I was like, nah, eh, who knows? Like maybe the company was in his early stages, you know, hadn't hired Katie yet and hadn't really done, done its devs project yet. Yeah. Cause he, in the scene we'll see later where the Amaya scene, like he was still a professor, right? I think he talked about grading papers. So, I mean, he probably was at this point involved with the company. Right. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Um, but also, like, I don't know, if you saw, uh, like, Sergey from Google on the street, would you, like, definitely recognize him? I mean, granted, you know, Forrest is probably have a little uh, more of a recognizable face given his beard and hair and everything. But yeah. I don't know. Um, Plus, I don't know if this is in the, sh- in the show's universe, but I think, they've, I think this university she's at is in the United Kingdom. So presumably oh, she, wouldn't, yeah, okay. she wouldn't know who a billionaire CEO tech Fair enough. Yeah. Head is over in Palo Alto or Santa yeah. Cruz or wherever yeah. they're located. That's a good so. point. I can take that. Knit pick removed. All right. We've uh, reverse picked a knit. Um, so, yeah. So that was important. And then definitely another important scene. Uh, we see uh, we see some of our old favorites. We see Stuart and Lyndon, uh, along with Katie and Forrest, doing some sort of experiment where there's this yeah. you know crazy kind of gold looking table with several different objects. You got a rat, sugar cube, a clock, a skull, uh, and they're, you know, clearly kind of zooming in on it or you're not sure at first exactly what's going on. 
Well, so I, I wrote down, I think, the six objects we see. So okay, yeah. it's a skull of some sort, maybe a bird yeah. skull, yeah, a I flower, a, okay. a clock, a feather, a seashell, and then a sugar cube. Um, and then obviously a mouse in the middle. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, initially I was writing these down because I was like, maybe there's some significance to the six objects that are picked, but I don't Those know. I don't, the, I they're the six Monopoly characters, right? Yeah, exactly. No, I think like I was trying to think too, like there's a different, I think there are different maybe uh, elements to them or characteristics that would kind of make sense. Like sugar, uh, you know, interesting on a molecular molecular level uh, yeah. potentially. And then a seashell as well, right? There's a lot of kind of repeating patterns and things. Um, but that's kind of all I had. Clock, interesting too, if you're, you know, looking at a, which they maybe weren't at this point, but on kind of a, a timeline uh, element too. But um, yeah, I was trying to think of a, a clear pattern through all of them and couldn't really kind of come up with anything. Yeah. But then, so what, what we see in the scene, which was clearly, you know, in the, in the past, uh, given Lyndon still worked there, uh, you see them zooming in on like a atomic, probably even subatomic level, uh, looking at all these different uh, elements. I forget the one that they were looking at when the when the kind of revelation appeared, um, which one it was, if you remember. But they were able to get in, zoom in, and kind of recreate it uh, much better than they thought they were, and then. Forrest tells them to kind of basically essentially, I think, zoom out and kind of look at the areas beyond the element that they're inspecting. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think the idea is once they are able to um, rebuild one individual item on a molecular level, then I think he uses the word extrapolate, then they are yeah. able to build the world around that individual item yep exactly and that's what they do they kind of pull out extrapolate and they get beyond the field of just the item itself and the kind of measuring field and then you see the pretty cool scene of like forest face being rebuilt uh, so it was, a, it was a pretty cool scene and that's like clearly kind of when things clicked right and they knew they had yeah. something there i don't even know if they really knew what they had at that point um, but uh yeah that was a great scene um, and then another one where a uh, very intense scene where you see, uh, you know, you see Forrest sitting on the porch and like, I took, I took notes, like calling out how I took notes, but I, I wrote down like 10 seconds before it happened. I was like, this is where Amaya dies. Cause I was pretty sure that this is going to be where Amaya, oh, Amaya yeah. died, uh, felt that way. But yeah, you see, you know, Forrest. Uh, sitting on the porch, gets a call from his wife, you know, they forgot the milk at the store or something like that. And then uh, really tragically, you know, they get in this, uh, his wife and his daughter, Amaya, get in a, in a car crash you know, half a block from his house and foresees it and uh, really, really kind of brutal emotional scene. Uh, I thought acted very well by Nick Offerman. Um, yeah. And you yeah. see the other versions of it in yeah. other universes where nine times out of 10, the car crash still happens. Um, and in a hundred percent of those scenarios, both cars continue to run both stop signs. Yeah. Well, so that's one question I had was, and this was like probably way too much minutia, but was the car, the other car that's going, that crashes into his wife's car. Is that, does that one have a stop sign too? Or was it his wife, because she was distracted by the conversation with Forrest, ran the stop sign? Yeah, I specifically, I specifically looked into this. Um, when he walks to the actual crash, you, you will see that the other intersection had a stop sign as well. So it was a four-way uh, four okay. stop. Um, but in my head canon, I assume the other car was also on a cell phone conversation with someone else and just was distracted about picking up milk or something and yeah. just... They both this, they both at the same time ran the ran the stop sign. All right, I like where we're, we're at headcanon now. Now we're an official yeah. TV podcast. I like it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, no, I think yeah. No, I, uh, that's good to know because I couldn't t like at least I feel like that deflects. Not that maybe it really matters to Forrest, but a fair amount of the blame. At least it's like you know his wife 
may have still, you know, it's still more on the other cars, uh, other car in terms of fault, but obviously he's still very obsessed over this as I can understand. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, that was a gut wrenching scene. I thought, uh, you know, really, really, uh, you know, one of the more powerful scenes we've seen so far. Um, and then we get into, I thought a really great interaction between Katie and Forrest himself. I guess it's hard to say exactly when this happened. Like clearly it's sometime between the quote present where we are in the past, where uh, the scene we saw a few scenes ago with uh, the team kind of discovering uh, some of their powers and what they're able to do. But, you know, basically what happens is, you know, Katie uh, is talking with him about how basically trying to dive into forest about like what exactly they're doing here. And, it seems pretty clear to the two of them what's going on, maybe not to the other uh, devs, but, um, you know, Katie's basically talking about how she realizes that, you know, she's trying to kind of find uh, this to be a, a deterministic, or she's tasked with finding that the, uh, the world is a deterministic place, or the multiverses are, uh, to try and basically absolve, um, absolve Forrest of guilt. And say that it's not his fault that uh you know that if it if it's not his fault he says you know he's damned uh yeah cool, i mean she cool. basically yeah go ahead. she basically says if whatever they're working on works determinism yeah. precludes free will and forrest did nothing wrong but if their project doesn't work that means forrest had choices and he's guilty guilty yeah. of amaya's death guilty of what's happened um so that essentially boils down what this project is all about, at least what the show is trying to tell us at this point. Exactly. And speaking of guilty, like Katie literally says, like, I'm, I'm quote, a lawyer for the defense. So basically she's trying to kind of pre present the case of Forrest. And, and I think, you know, she's clearly based on what happened at the scene in the college. She's a proponent of the Everett principle, which, you know, this kind of cascading multiverse where, you know, essentially every possibility happens and whatever, you know, world you're in is just the singular timeline that you, that happened, uh, through every branch. But it's, if everything happens, uh, you know, at every point, it's not really your fault, right? You're just, it, you're just unlucky that you lived in the world where yeah. this actually happened. Whereas if that's not the case, then I think Forrest is, you know, uh, there's more free will at play and he's going to feel guiltier. So, yeah, it's interesting because going back to the uh, college scene or university scene, when he's interviewing Katie outside of the steps, he asks her specifically, is there a world in which it could work? It probably meaning his devs project. Yeah. Um, so just based off of that question, at that point, it seems like he believed in the multiverse theory. Whereas everything we've seen in the present day seems like he's not interested in yeah. any multiverse. He's only interested in his universe. So there's definitely been a shift in his view on um, this project, at least. Exactly. And he also, like, on top of that, made it clear that he doesn't want to be in another, like, he doesn't care about being in another multiverse where, you know, there's an Amaya and he's alive with her because it won't, quote, you know, be the exact Amaya. You know, if yeah. there's four hairs different on her head, then he's not interested in that. So, um, yeah. yeah. Pretty interesting which stuff. I, like, yeah. yeah. Well, I was going to say, it leads perfectly into the next scene we see, which is back to Lillian, her father, because um, he gives her that quote about a river. Oh, gosh. Um, let me see if I can remember this. No man ever steps in the same river twice because it's not the same river and he's not the same man. Yep. And... <laughs> and when I heard that, I was like, almost, this is like too on the nose for this yeah. show. <laughs> like, okay, we get it. Yeah. I feel like we didn't need that reinforcement, but uh, yeah. well, <laughs> maybe some people do. Yeah. But it does seem to indicate there's something about Lily's backstory that I don't think the show is telling us yet. I think so too, right? Because like, I mean, she's, has to be the protagonist at this point, right? Yeah. You know, Jamie probably will be to some extent, but like it, Lily honestly really has not done much other than kind of go along for the ride. And she's had a couple, 
you know, kind of interesting maneuvers with the, the fake out of Kenton, you know, pretending to, to uh, have the psychosis and stuff. But uh, honestly, with what, three episodes left, I feel like she's got to bring a lot to the table to really kind of be a powerful protagonist here. So yeah. I'm hoping there'll probably be some more scenes maybe with her dad or just some sort of something in her past where it kind of unleashes her to be the hero the story needs right now. Yeah. Um, and the other, uh, you know, quick scene that happened right around then, there are a couple, I guess, like uh, you have Jamie on the phone with his dad, uh, basically making up a story about how he does some work for the NSA and some foreign foreign party like hacked into his account and got his family contact info and basically lied to his dad to tell him to go to a safe place just in case Kenton uh, was going to go after them, which that was, was kind of a cool scene. Uh, I think you're, they're building up Jamie to be uh, a little more of a, a hero uh, in waiting. And obviously we'll see the, the last scene on that as well. Um, yeah. But the, the other interesting scene I thought was with Kenton just having a, a real open conversation with Katie and Forrest, essentially saying, Hey, like I've been doing a lot of bad stuff. I've had to do a lot of bad stuff for you guys and I'm not going to prison. Um, one thing that I thought was interesting, I don't know if this is going to be uh, come back, but he talked about how he quote, killed a guy, put a girl in the nut house and threatened to kill her friend. I thought that kind of found that to be interesting to say he quote killed a guy since he in theory maybe killed Sergey or and definitely killed Anton it seemed. So yeah. I don't know if maybe he doesn't think he killed Sergey or something uh, or someone else did, but I thought that was a little weird and if, I don't know if that's going to come back at all. Yeah, it's interesting cuz I was going to mention this on our last podcast and I was going to question whether Sergey was actually dead mm-hmm. even though we did see him choke him with that plastic bag yeah, but like yeah, yeah. for some reason i've never truly believed that sergey was dead and there's not that's not based off of anything whatsoever it's just a feeling i have kind of like lily playing go, playing go like i just think that um so yeah i don't know maybe there's a we should have a over under on sergey still being alive Ooh, in this sergey, universe you can add that to the one yeah i like that um I think that's a good theory. And then, yeah, but basically Kenton was essentially saying like, hey, I'm going to act in my own uh, self-interest, uh, which seemed like he was maybe intimating that he would kill uh, Jamie and or Lily just to cover his tracks. Yeah. And then interestingly, Katie, there's kind of weird scene where Katie was like, hey, it's, it's not in your, quote, in your power to kill Lily, which I think Kenton took offense to thinking that Katie didn't think he had the balls to kill Lily. Uh, which you know, clearly he did he does given what some of the things he's done, but the way that Katie seemed very insistent on it seemed to be maybe like she was using her ability just to look into the future as we will see. Yeah. Um, that was kind of interesting. Well, I wanted to ask you about the passage of time. Cause in episode four, it's stated that Lily dies within 48 hours. So have yep. we yep. surpassed that 48 hours yet? Or are we still within that 48 hours? Good question. Um, I don't know. I feel like I feel like they would at least give some sort of indication of the timeline, so we could there would be some uh, suspense as to whether that was going to happen. But I, it was hard to tell how long she had been in the the uh, the hospital, which will which was yeah. basically the last scene. But that's a good question. I was I was wondering about the forty eight hour thing too. So, uh, but apparently Katie saw that happen. So maybe we just aren't at that that uh, time point yet. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, speaking of that, uh, we have, you know, pretty cool scene where, well, I don't know if it's cool, but basically Lily is at the hospital under the 5150 order for, um, you know, being committed and you have Jamie sneaking in. I have no, I did not know it was that easy to sneak into uh, a hospital there and he pops in uh, has a little conversation with with Lily where she's clearly super out of it and drugged, uh, and she said she loves him. Like who knows? I don't know if did she think he was Sergey? Did she think it was Jamie? And obviously, there's a lot of the drugs uh, interaction yeah. going. 
And then he kind of sneaks her out and they show you, you know, looking out the crack of the door toward the attendant who doesn't see them sneaking out. But it was interesting. I thought a little, little cheesy about how easy it was for him to sneak in and sneak her out. But... Yeah, I've never uh, been in the psych ward, so I'm not sure how good or bad the security is for completing such a maneuver. But yeah. Yeah, it was uh, it was interesting, but um, but yeah. So we'll see. Like, I think you know, this is now the stage is set for Jamie to be the hero. I, again, I kind of want to see Lily step up and start start doing something. Um, so we'll see. Well, here's here's yeah. my question. So yeah. we see that Katie sees this happening, and I don't know if this is the final scene, but we see her smiling or what appears to be a smile as mm. they're escaping. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I'm just wondering what you think that may indicate or what that means. God, I think there's a lot potentially at play there. Like, I, so I still don't know what Katie's uh, goals are, right? Like, it's clear what Forrest is, or at least it's yeah. fairly clear, right? Um, I feel like Katie maybe cares so much about her interpretation, her like Everett interpretation of things that she just wants yeah. to be right potentially. Um, so maybe, I don't know, maybe the, the fact that, you know, her convert, maybe it goes back to her conversation with Kenton where she was like, Hey, I know it's quote, not in your power to kill Lily. So seeing her escape and potentially, uh, you know, be able to Lily do her own thing and not get killed by Kenton. I don't know. Like yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm having trouble reading Katie for sure. So. Do you think ultimately it'll be revealed that she's actually the true villain in this show? It could be. I, I don't think, you know, there were, you know, maybe episode three or four Forrest got pretty unlikable, but I feel like, yeah, you do need a bad guy. And obviously Kenton is a pretty terrible guy, but I feel like you might need a, a deeper, darker evil and maybe Katie is yeah. going to end up being that person. Like, I think she's, she's clearly got the potentially the, the most power over the, the dev system. Right. Yeah. I mean, I kind of feel like going back to the university scene, she knew she was going to be approached by Forrest. Ooh. Okay. Um, and somehow she has already seen all this taking place. So anytime hmm. she gets confirmation of everything that's unfolding, she's yeah. like, okay, this just confirms what I, already know to happen yeah okay no i like that I, I like the the idea of her being kind of like the the biggest evil player in the show yeah um all right let's do let's do a few over unders uh we'll carry on this segment Ooh, all right so the first one is uh jamie killing kenton over under at episode eight mm, 17 minutes in and if he doesn't kill Kenton, then the over wins. So will he kill Kenton before 17 minutes into the last episode? Okay. Well, I feel like out of all the characters left, the one that has the highest probability of being killed is Kenton. Mm-hmm. And you're asking me if that death happens by Jamie's hands. Yes. I mean, that has to be the most satisfying. I mean, person. I would only say yes, because there's got to be some way to redeem Jamie's puppy doggedness, and this yeah. would be a good way to do it. Um, otherwise, I don't know how else to redeem the Jamie character right now. Yeah. Because um, I'm already on record as saying he should not get with Lily, because that would just validate all his lame behavior up to this point. Yeah, I think it's almost like he has to demonstrate him kind of yeah graduating from that puppy dog and you know not him begging to get back with lily it's like lily has to kind of want him back yeah uh, okay so you're saying bef- but the it's not if it will happen or not it's will it happen before 17 minutes into oh. the last episode since it's over under <sighs> yes it's gonna happen in episode seven at the end of episode okay. seven okay i like that all right so you're going under yeah under all right, next one. Does will we see Forrest reunite with Amaya? Uh, it can be this multiverse, this one, or yeah, any multiverse, this one or another one. Does uh, Lily see it happen? Um, I don't know if it matters. Basically, just oh. do we see Forrest oh, do we see? reuniting with Amaya? 
Uh, I'm going to say episode eight, 31 minutes over under. So over, you know, pick over if you don't think it happens under 31 minutes into the last episode. Over. Over. Yeah. Okay. We we never see. We never see it. Okay. Amaya in a realistic setting. Mm. You know, you're not counting the 300 foot statue in the Santa Cruz Mountains. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <It's> realistic. <laughs> the statue comes alive. <laughs> Amaya's been inside the entire time. I'm still thinking there's some reveal about that statue, even though we didn't see it this there episode. Something, there's right? just yeah. something weird. About it. Yeah. yeah, it's really creepy. Um, all right, those are the two I had. Did you have? Do you have any over-unders for this week? Oh, man, do I? I think I already asked you my one over-under. It was the uh, Go board positions. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, the, the over, way more than a Google. All right, I went over on that. Yeah. Um, Awesome. I think, uh, well, that kind of covers all the content of the episode. Um, yeah, I think the other, the only other things you, you had some, some diving into the, this, the soundtrack. I thought it was a really cool kind of opening and ending scene with the, the song, um, it's called like, Oh, I wept, I think. Yeah. They use the song. Oh, I wept by the band free. Um, which I was like, oh, I'm going to look into the lyrics and see if there's any deeper meaning behind those, the song. And I couldn't find anything that really kind of related to the topics that the show is bringing up. So I just figured, okay, they're just using a song that just works well thematically. But you mentioned in the credits um, that there was something audio-wise that happened near the end. And I didn't hear it. I didn't stick around that long. So maybe you could talk about it a little bit more. Yeah, there's so usually I, I shut off the show right as the credits start, um, which is a bad habit, especially for Westworld, since I missed some of the very key stuff from the end of season two. Um, but I went back and watched it, and there's some really creepy kind of chanting acapella, like guttural sounds uh, for the last like minute of the of the credits. Which I don't know if I'd encourage you to go back and listen to it, but if you do, it's it's very creepy. I well, I didn't hear it. So could yeah. you just give me an example of what it sounded like? All right, let's see here. I think it's like, oh no, I can't even do that. No, this is this is too. <laughs> I mean, we have hundreds of listeners now, so I can't I uh, can't risk embarrassing myself more than we already have. Maybe maybe next next episode when I have more than two glasses of whiskey. But but it was like throat singing essentially. Yeah, it was very uh, very guttural, very creepy and weird. Um, so yeah. I don't know what that. Uh, there, there's probably some deeper meaning to that, but I am not sure exactly what it was. Okay. Which, uh, which I'm sure people tune in to listen to us talk about how we don't know what things are, but, <laughs> uh, it's great, great potting right here. But, um, yeah, uh, maybe that'll come back in or I'm sure there's some interesting reason they chose to do that. I do have one question and yeah. I wasn't paying too close attention, but maybe, you know, better, but when, in that scene where they have the dead rat, uh, dead mouse and the six objects surrounding it. Does does the mouse come back alive? Yeah, actually, I had notes on that too. It does in some in some multiverse, right? You see it kind of start. I, that's what I expected to happen was to see it pop up and run around like in yeah. our world. Uh, at first, I was like, "Oh, is this how they bring Amaya back to life?" But it doesn't seem like that's what they're going for. But you do see the the mouse at some in some dimension. Uh, pop up and move around so i wasn't sure but in yeah. their dimension or it's like i was confused like are they bringing it back to life or are they just showing that it's not dead in another universe because like if you're talking about being able to now replicate something and give yeah. life to it that's totally a, that's a totally yeah. separate discussion than everything the show has brought forth so far in terms of just like multiverses and determinism and whatnot the fact that now you're talking about like raising the dead yeah. that's that's a whole nother project that sure we haven't discussed yeah no that's a fair point when that came up i i was like and it seems like it would be weird if they didn't kind of or at least we haven't seen them uh proceed down that path since they made that discovery that maybe they are it's just kind of a separate arc but yeah uh i mean i don't know maybe that's a little bit of why they chose to zoom in on jesus uh, during the scene yeah. a couple episodes ago in terms of bringing someone back to life. But, but also, especially since last episode, episode four, it begins with 
a more charred state of this mouse, right? So we still haven't seen why that mouse turned into that state, I guess. Because yeah. um, here we we still see it's it's got its skin on it. It's just yeah. dead. But last episode, we saw it kind of just like, I don't know, broken apart. Yeah. Maybe they bring Sergey back to life. Who knows? Yeah. Um, interesting. Yeah, I, I I wasn't totally sure on the mouse thing, like what they were going for there, if we were supposed to think it came back to life in our multiverse, but it was, it was a little confusing there. Okay. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm uh, I'm intrigued. I've been digging. I've been digging the show. I think this episode, yeah, again, not not a lot of like plot in our current multiverse uh, moved forward. But I think they're setting the stage for some good episodes with Lily and Jamie teaming up against Kenton and Forrest. And I don't know. What do you think about Katie? Obviously, there's potential for her to be be the villain. Like, does does Katie turn out to be be the good guy in any any multiverse here? Like maybe she kind of prevents something from happening from Forrest doing something. I don't know. Yeah. But it's just like, we haven't learned enough about her back backstory yeah. to care like what she ultimately does or prevents or accomplishes. Right. All we've really seen so far of her backstory is her being approached in a classroom for a job at Amaya. So yeah, that's totally fair. We don't really know much about what drives her, or what, you know, motivates her. So I don't know. I'm not too invested right now in terms of what her resolution is. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited for the rest of the show. So we, this is episode five, we've got three more. Uh, definitely curious to see, see how things play out. Um, yeah. Anything else you wanted to call out before we sign off? I don't think so. I think we, we covered everything I wanted to talk about. All right, we got. I think we got it under under an hour. We're a little tighter this week. So okay. I guess we only had one episode to talk about. Um, but but yeah, no. Uh, thanks, Jimmy. Appreciate you joining. Um, thanks everyone for for tuning in. Our, our hundreds of listeners uh, definitely subscribe and you know download our show. And uh, it's been been a lot of fun. And we're we're stoked for to see how things play out next week. We'll we'll definitely be back and try and get an episode up uh, not too long after the show posts. Yeah, and if anyone is still listening, if you want to email us with a question, comment, or suggestion, you can email us at talkingdevs at gmail.com. That still exists. AMC hasn't come knocking on our door <laughs> with a trademark infringement or anything. Um, or you can call us and leave a voicemail at 818-860-0421. Um, so yes, please, please reach out. We're lonely. We want to talk to you guys. I know. We're isolated. We're shelter and placed. So <laughs> definitely uh, looking for some some uh, folks to call in. Um, but yeah, this is awesome. Thanks, thanks, Jimmy, for joining. And uh, we will catch you guys next week. Yeah.